over in the stadium the weekend after the Clemson game that there was a ton of interest and in this position and that my phone was blowing up. And that is exactly the uh, uh, the case. It was blowing up. And I talked to a lot of people, a lot of people that were interested in this position, sitting head coaches in college football that reached out to me, current coordinators in the NFL that reached out to me, current power five coordinators. I easily could go out and hire the hot name, the guys that when you guys read the hot boards on some of y'all's websites, the names that were on there that that the general public thinks that's the guru and that's the guy that we need to bring into the program. I'm not interested in winning the program the, the press conference, guys. I'm interested in all right. Welcome into the gamecockscoop.com podcast. The podcast of gamecockscoop.com on rivals um we're gonna have a little bit more from that press conference here in a minute um but i kind of led with the headline and this is what i titled the episode as well uh shane beamer wins the press conference or uh you know that's at least one take that you could have here um so as he said right there uh when he was introducing dowell loggins he doesn't care too much uh, about winning the press conference and that's what we reported on our site as well right like that dowell loggins is a guy that he targeted and went after it wasn't like dowell loggins fell to him or anything like that um and yeah i i appreciated him kind of calling out the media calling out all of us right we we set up our hot boards we talked about our people uh to be fair dowell loggins was on our hot board before um you know shit hit the fan on Wednesday night and uh, all those rumors started circulating. Um, so good for us. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so let's, let's listen to one more little clip from this segment and then we'll, we'll get right into it. I do want to talk uh, recruiting basketball, all that, but I mean, let's, let's not bear the lead here. We'll, we'll start right here uh, at the top. Let me just jump a little more ahead. I'm sorry. It's hard. I, d- I never uh, have presented. There's a lot to unpack from this presser anyway. There's a lot we're going to get to here. Yeah, and I haven't I had to present multiple videos at once. Um, so you just give me two seconds. I promise it's going to be worth it. There we go. We got it. For those All of you who right. are watching. Seven minutes and eight seconds. Here we go. So surely everybody that wants to critique every hire that we make here I'm sure you guys knew that Dow Loggins turned down a coordinator job in the SEC last year, correct? Everybody knew that, right? I'm sure you guys know that I'm the fourth SEC head coach that's reached out to him in the last two weeks about coming to work for him. So we were fortunate to hire Dow Loggins because there were a lot of other people that were interested in hiring Dow Loggins as well. I'm sure you guys reached out to Bill Parcells, who Dow worked for. Anybody? I'm sure the people on the outside, all the experts on social media, I'm sure they called Sean Payton, arguably one of the greatest NFL coaches of all time, uh, to talk to Sean Payton about Dow. I'm sure you reached out to Kyle Shanahan, the head coach of the San Francisco 49ers. All those guys are guys that Dow worked for. Did you call Connor Shaw? Alshon Jeffrey coached out Dow. All right, so uh, he he listed off some other names and stuff after that, but you, you get the point. There were a lot um, of names. <laughs> so uh, let's let's start here, right? Like I enjoyed <laughs> the press conference from an entertainment value standpoint. Really good. Um, I think 
it's one of those which if this if this hire works out um it goes down kind of like legend status right like um Shane Beamer went out on a limb a bit with this hire and then he came out firing completely standing behind it um I said in the group chat like if you're looking for a guy that you'd like to be your boss 100 right like he just came out and defended his guy <laughs> that's um, exactly like, what Logan said when he walked up there yeah and that's literally it, the first thing it's it's true um so in many ways i do respect uh beamer for that right like he's he's standing on standing on his business or whatever that the the thing that jaheem bell keeps uh tweeting whenever he makes decisions um it's true That's though a cam he, smith he, saying too that i think applies to shane beamer here too but i'll leave it at that <laughs> yeah 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 um d y n um <laughs> <laughs> um yeah no no doubt and i i like that like i i really enjoyed the fire that he came out with the confidence that he came out came out with now once all that settles um because you know we said we said he won the press conference and i think that's true like th things went pretty well i think you probably changed some people's opinions i think it's even fair to say which we've we've tried to say i wrote my little like optimistic uh, style article the other night on Dowell Loggins that um, some of the criticisms and some of the like complete meltdown that was happening in the fan base is a little unfair. Um, that said, did this press conference today change your opinion uh, on Dowell Loggins and on this hire? Um, not really. Um, but I also kind of went into it with the same sort of, and I, mean, I have a whole thing coming up um, on game, uh, GameCockScoop.com tonight, kind of breaking down what we heard today and kind of just kind of my take on the hire in general. And I won't spoil that too much, but I kind of feel the same way I did about it going into it. Um, I think the far more or most interesting thing about this is the, I don't want to use the word aggression, but vindictiveness Beamer had about this, like, this is a no half measures kind of hire. Like he walked in the room and said, this is going to work. Y'all watch. This is going to work. That's more or less what happened. Um, and that, again, that, that could obviously go one of two ways. If the, if he, you know, you try to paint the picture a year from now, two years from now, right. You're either living in a world where Shane Beamer took a guy who had never called a single college play and he built a gangbusters college football offense or you're living in a world where you had made a hire that didn't make a lot of sense at the time. And it predictably backfired after he was very aggressive saying that it wouldn't backfire. So that's kind of your, I use the term fork in the road and what I'm going to write to, or what I wrote tonight. That'll be up later. Um, that's kind of my biggest take on this. We're going to get into logins himself more kind of his offense itself, but Beamer taking, it's a big swing. Like it doesn't feel like a big swing. Cause it's not one of the big names. But this is a big swing for him personally, I think. Yeah, man, there's like a million different things going through my mind right now. Um, one thing I can confirm. How about let's start there. Um, early in the or early in that segment that I just said, he said last year a he was up for an SEC offensive coordinator job. Um, that is true. We've reported on the site that uh, Kentucky looked at him last year before eventually going with that guy that I can't remember his name that got fired and now Liam Cohen. Oh, Liam back. Cohen. Well, Liam Cohen's back, but the guy that they had this year. I can't oh, remember, um, I can't remember can't his remember. name right now. Yeah, doesn't matter. Yeah, he, it didn't work out. Um, <laughs> uh, they made the wrong call there, I guess. Um, so anyway, I can confirm that. I know that um, uh, 
some other media members kind of question whether or not that was true, which is uh, kind of an absurd thing to say. I, I don't know about the four this year or whatever, but the one last year is true. He was in the mix there. Um, yeah, so I think this is kind of all you could do um, based on like all the reports and stuff that we've heard that basically he targeted Dow Loggins, that he did, he did have some other options that maybe would have been splashier and or impressed uh, the fan base more or, or whatever. Um, because he didn't go that direction, he kind of has to just like double down on it on, at this point. And yeah, now we're going to find out like, is his vision as clear as he seems to think it is? Um, and if it is, then it's like an all time move and it's really cool. That's it's the like, whole thing. Yeah. 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 Um, but I do think, like you said, there's uh, a lot of the, the downside is bigger than the, the upside. Um, so either you uh, swing and, and hit a home run or you completely strike out. I think that's kind of that's what I kind of what I mean with the no half measures thing. There is no going halfway here. There's no one foot in the pool, one foot out. This is it. It's he's putting a lot on Dowell Loggins here. And the one thing I will say for fans, um, you're I, I get you're worried about logins. You're worried about his NFL track record. I get that. The one thing I would say that I think you can't deny is that this guy's a good recruiter. Uh, we, we talked about this a little bit last week. Uh, I believe you wrote about that a little bit in your piece. He's got three Arkansas tight ends, including two of them that are four-star prospects on rivals in his class this year. Um, he seems to have built good relationships clearly in the NFL. Uh, if you want to take Shane Beamer at his word with the coaches and people he worked with, um, obviously you've got Connor Shaw, Alshon Jeffrey, a couple of South Carolina legends weighing in there. I do think this is probably a plus on the recruiting front. I, you also didn't bring him here to just recruit. You need him to call plays too. And that's unfortunately for him and for Beamer and for everyone in the fan base, there's no way to answer that till September. You can talk all you want. You can do what you want. There is no way to get an answer on his play calling until he actually calls plays. Um, yeah. And on that recruiting uh, note, there's also the idea that um, he's going to be helpful in the transfer portal. Um, which I would say he's already got an inroad with a tight end from Arkansas. Trey Knox, uh, yeah. Trey Knox, which um, I, we can't put in a future cast for transfers or whatever, but I, if I could, I would. Uh, for it him, makes a lot of sense, it. and obviously they need tight ends now considering the top four on the roster from this year are all gone from next year. Right, and then I can't remember the guy there was a wide receiver from Arkansas that also entered the transfer portal that I've heard um, he should have a little bit of a inroad with. So that's something to keep in mind as well. It's just like some of the relationships that he built uh, might pay off with veteran presences sooner than later on top of on the recruiting trail. Which that definitely seems to be after one press conference and just knowing what we know about him. That seems to be his strength, relationships, kind of person-to-person type stuff. Now that doesn't win you football games. you got to call plays and you got to put the offense in a position to succeed. Um, but that does – that is a legitimate – if you're doing a pros and cons chart here at, at home or whatever, that's a very legitimate, very real tick in the pro chart for Dowell Loggins. Yeah, and I'll say one more just recruiting note. Um, I texted with Dante Reno a little bit. Um 
he tweeted the other night like oh the conversation i just had uh many of you may have seen that on twitter that was after he talked to Loggins. i did confirm that with him um and then we're hoping to hop on the phone with dante later today or tomorrow um to hear a little bit more about how that conversation went. but um early returns at least just from texting him sound positive um, which is, you know, one of his top recruits. And then in the press conference, Huggins mentioned that it, his top recruiting priority right now is getting Spencer Rattler to come back, um, which if he said so that'd that, be the biggest recruiting pulse since his wife. Yeah, I thought that was that was a nice line. Um, I mean, we can get into to Loggins a little bit. I do want to talk a little bit more about the Shane Beamer portion of it. But um, yeah, I will say sure. that, that, that Loggins came across uh, as personable to the media, too. Um, every time um, any of you introduced yourselves you've made sure that he like knew your name i i heard him even asking how to spell hell mcgranahan's name or whatever <laughs> um the big spur so uh that's uh that's cool i mean obviously like he's trying to uh smooth thing smooth things over a little bit um but yeah, i thought he did a pretty good job um one thing that another just like really quick note from the press conference that stood out to me we were talking the other day about what is the connection between Shane and uh, Dowell and like, why is this happening? Why basically? Yeah. yeah. And um, Shane said basically to, in answer to one of the questions uh, in his segment that he had actually been in the room uh, while Dowell was like an offensive coordinator in the NFL. I know he specifically mentioned with the Titans when Alshon was there. Does that sound right? Or Chicago when Bears, Alshon was there? I think because Alshon um, Jeffrey was in Chicago with Dowell Loggins. Yeah. So, um, I guess he was impressed there. And then whenever this came back up, he was able to kind of remember that. So I, I didn't know that they had kind of been in the room together several times before. Um, so that was kind of a, a new I think note. the Sylvester Croom crossover is a lot here too. Uh, Beamer loves Sylvester Croom. That's, of course, who gave him his first full-time coaching job back in 04. Croom and Loggins were together on the Tennessee Titans coaching staff when he was the OC there. Um, I think a, a good endorsement from Sylvester Croom goes about as far as anything with Shane Beamer is something we've kind of learned over the last few weeks. Um, and I think that's probably another big part of this. Yeah. So um, one thing that I, that kind of stood out to me from the whole rant, which again, I really enjoyed, I'm not criticizing it at all. This is an 11 um, and a half minute opening statement, by the way. Yeah. Um, one thing that stood out to me though, was a lot of the argument and I again, I sat down and wrote the optimistic logins article the other day, right? Um, and so I had the same issue. A lot of the argument strayed away from the statistics, right? Because his statistics aren't Are so good, objectively um, bad. Yeah, and, and we talked about like it, it's really tough in the NFL when you don't have an elite quarterback, which through most of those seasons he did not. Um, it's really tough to make that work. Also, there's the whole factor where um, Adam Gaze was the head coach and Adam Gaze kind of has his own offensive vision for a lot of it um all that being said did it impress you that Shane Beamer was kind of like I talked to this guy and I talked to this guy and they all vouch for him um like does that kind of change your perspective at all or are you still kind of feeling the same as you did without with or without all those appeals to authority or whatever uh that doesn't change anything for me I mean what's he gonna do get up there and say that uh it's bad that nobody, nobody wanted to talk. Nobody are, um, what, what's it called? Nobody wanted him. You know, I couldn't get any good endorsements on him. Everyone said like, of course he's going to say the good stuff. He, he threw, he dropped a lot of names. I mean, 
Kyle Shanahan, Sean Payton, uh, you know, Hall of Fame coaches, legendary, co- whatever. Uh, that doesn't make him call plays better just because he worked with those guys. That doesn't really do much for me. Um, but I also don't know those people, and I can see how that would kind of put him at ease, I guess. Um, but ultimately, if you're a South Carolina fan, I don't think if Dowell Loggins calls a, a bad game next year, you're going to be like, well, he Kyle Shanahan liked him. Sean Payton liked him. It's fine. Um, I don't think anyone's going to be doing that. So that's kind of where I would stand on that. Yeah, and we've kind of talked about this uh, behind the scenes and uh, on the Insiders Forum on GameCockScoop.com. It's just come up a lot. Like, there are narrative reasons that you can justify this hire, right? Um, he bounced around for 15 years in the NFL. He was, like, one of the youngest offensive coordinators in the NFL once he first got that gig. Um, it's kind of a fast rising star. Uh, we've heard about all the recruiting prowess. Um, and then he, he spent the last two years under Kendall Bryles, who is one of the you know brightest offensive minds in college football came from, uh, that that air raid system that kind of has been productive for over a decade, almost two decades now in college football. Um, and some of the things that you talked about sound, at least narratively, pretty good, right? Like he's going to take some of the pro style concepts that Beamer seems to like, that Rattler seems to like, assuming Rattler's back or or whoever's coming in, seem seem to like. Um, but try to tone down the verbiage, I believe he said, which is something that we had heard uh, was a problem under Satterf- Satterfield. That things confusing, um, and that he's also going to take some of what he learned over the last two years at Arkansas under this spread um, air raid whatever sort of style that's a little bit more college um, and combine those two things, which actually, I mean, that sounds good. It sounds like it could work, but again, we're relying on could and might, and it felt like this hire could have been, uh, that's the whole thing. Yeah. Something that just like sees the momentum a little bit better coming off of the way that the season ended. Um, and really for better or worse, this could work out perfectly. But this name did not seize that momentum for the fan base, obviously. Yeah. Um, and by the way, I'm taking us way off course for a second here. But breaking news, Corey Rucker just entered the transfer portal, according to Max Olsen at The Athletic. Um, that's um, that's. I think we maybe had a feeling that was coming. If he only played in what was it one game this year because of his injury status. Um, it's not I shocking, I- but I also think that means he has to sit a year if he goes – to another well maybe but maybe he'll get a red shirt, medical red yeah because he only played in one game this year so um cory rucker back in the portal um that's i don't know how much you could have counted on him for your wide receiver room next year because you don't really know what he can do he played in one game this year um but that's another okay. one gone from that group for next year people regardless. are excited about him and then now this really makes antoine wells decision that much more important uh, more important exactly yeah. There's a um, scenario because, here where you're looking at um, – we're going to get into portal stuff later, I think. But we're looking at losing Lloyd, Bell, Van, Wells, um, Stogner. Like you could – you're losing the whole right side of your offensive line or probably are. You're definitely losing Eric Douglas and Wanham. Javon Gwynn's got a decision to make. Um, there's a lot. Um, there's a lot here. We can get to that later, but that just dropped like now while we're recording. Um 
Yeah, we'll have more on that later on GamecocksGroup.com. Um, like we said, we knew that was a possibility, but I actually wasn't expecting that right this second. So you never go. are when the news breaks. Yeah. Um, <laughs> on to logins, though. Um, I think the the blend point is kind of the one that I think is the most interesting or maybe should make South Carolina fans the most excited. Um, he's got all this NFL background, which Beamer, by the way, addressed that someone asked him, you know, are you looking to make NFL hires? Cause this is, what is this? Four of his hires have been from the NFL with Sterling Lucas, Freddie Kitchens, Satterfield, and now Jody, um, Wiggins, Jody Wright five. Yeah. Um, he said, no, with that kind of background is beneficial. It's different. Um, you know, they're talking about how, you know, in college, these kids have class, these kids have 20 hour rules in the building, all of that. Um, but in the NFL, you don't, you just kind of work with people. Um, you kind of, there's more of a person to person thing. Maybe that's where the relationships come in. Um, so I thought that was interesting and he's logging sounds. He's trying to blend NFL concepts, pro style concepts with some of the things he picked up in two years at Arkansas. Um, he's had a lot of good things to say about Arkansas and kind of how that helped him learn the college game. I that's the, that's the counter argument to he's never called college plays. He's saying that he's learned the college game and what has to happen to have a good college offense while he was at Arkansas. Only time's going to tell, but I think if you're looking to feel better about something, the stuff that Logan said, not even just what Beamer said, that would be the thing. If I'm a South Carolina fan, that would make me feel better about Logan's. He sounded confident in what he picked up at Arkansas and that translating to South Carolina. Yeah. He also mentioned that he spent three months uh, under James Franklin at Penn state. And that kind of convinced him that he was interested in, in being in the college game. Um, and another thing that I think he said motivated him. And this goes back to the recruiting point was in the NFL, which we talked about his rosters in the NFL, not being, ideal and then that reflects on you as the offensive coordinator obviously this is why we're having this discussion um but the thing that is attracted to attractive to him about college football and this was like quote that he says is if you don't have a good uh, good enough roster that's your fault right because it comes down to recruiting talked um, about ownership of the roster that was his buzzword right or accountability so, for the roster something like that so I, I i definitely got the sense that he was saying the right things um i think i mean based on the feedback that i was reading on our board, on Twitter, on Reddit, whatever. Um, it seemed like he won over some people that were maybe a little bit skeptical about this. Um, and yeah, he's saying all the right things. It just is going <laughs> to come down to uh, the X's and O's and the way that it all comes together. One other thing on his system. So he, like you said, uh, pro style concepts, but he wants to reduce the terminology, be more efficient. One specific thing that he said um, was the idea that he used to communicate with signals instead of words, which is kind of a, a common thing um, in college football, especially with some of these faster-paced offenses. If you look at – I remember when we were watching uh, the Tennessee game across the sideline or whatever, you had the four guys in different colors and uh, the different signs. They were wearing different colored like jumpsuits and stuff. Um, so I, I do think that he is looking to simplify things, which, I mean, I can understand why – Beamer was attracted to that sort of thing after the last two years. After what we know about Satterfield's offense, some of the verbiage terminology there and kind of for what we've been hearing, that was kind of a, a challenge for some players with different personnel packages. Um, the thing that kind of stood out to me about his, um, his system or someone asked him, it was a good question. Um, what does a good Dowell log Logan's offense look like? Like, what is it? What works for you? What is this supposed to look like when it's clicking? Um, that's Pete Yacobelli at the AP. We give credit here. Um, he asked him that and he, um, 
Um, and Logan said that pace and space, those were his words. Um, he said the biggest difference between the NFL and college is that in the NFL, they don't really miss tackles in open space. Like if an NFL caliber defender is on you, you're just going to go down. But they miss tackles in college football. You know, it's a lower caliber of player. It's whatever technique. Um, so if you can get guys in space, you have a better chance of breaking tackles, and obviously turning that into big plays. So he mentioned the concept of space a lot. I also thought it was very interesting that he mentioned that his biggest adjustment from the NFL to college was not so much the play calling or the preparation or even the recruiting. It was the actual spacing of the field, where the hash marks are, where guys line up, where the sidelines are, um, just the actual, like, I'll call it the geography of the field, and that that was what he had to learn more than anything. I thought that was really interesting for a guy who was talking about space so much because obviously those two things go hand in hand with an offense. Well, and that's something we talked about in preparation of the Tennessee game um, is the way that that style offense, which kind of a similar system um, Mm -hmm. that we're talking about here. Heifel's got that down to a science, putting receivers in the sidelines and using them to make plays. Right. Um, The other thing that should be music to uh, South Carolina fans' ears along the same lines was that said um, he's not going to make a system and then say, all right, you have to fit this system. He's kind of looking at the personnel that he has and trying to build a system around that. Um, and he specifically said there should never be a game where your best player is only getting two touches or whatever, which kind of felt <laughs> like... A, that was uh, a backhanded shot. <laughs> yeah, it felt like a nod to um, that Missouri game with Jaheim Bell got zero touches or whatever, right? Um, which probably is a, a big reason that he's in the transfer portal right now. We haven't um, even gotten to that yet, but yeah. Yeah, so... Um, I think he is saying all the right things. And I think that we can spin a narrative that he's taking this pro style system, simplifying it for the college game, mixing in the elements that he uh, got from Arkansas. And all of those things could combine together in a pot to be really, really good. I think our only pushback and I think our only pushback throughout this entire process has been, yeah, but uh, narratively, did that seize the momentum? And again, we open up the show saying it doesn't seem like Shane Beamer cares about that narrative um, and, and good on him for standing by not caring about that narrative. Um, but I do think it you've put yourself in a little bit of a precarious space if it doesn't work out. I don't even think it's the narrative thing as much truly, even though I know that plays into a lot of it, the fan psyche, whatever. Um, he's never done it. And I know what he's saying about he had two years at Arkansas. I understand what he's saying about he's called plays, but like, He's done pieces. He's done all the elements of what he's doing now. He's never done all of them at the same time in the same job. You know what I mean? Like he's called plays. He's worked in the SEC. He's recruited, but he hasn't done all of those things in a job at the same time. We are juggling it all. And you're, I mean, he's, he's the offensive coordinator. He's the guy now. He, he actually said himself that other than the head coach, the two most criticized people on a team are the quarterback and the OC. And I, I think he's right about that. He probably has a case. Um, but I don't – and this is just one of those things that it's going to have to be a sit and wait. This is a sport with an eight-month offseason that we're not even in yet. There's still a bowl game. Um, nobody's going to feel truly, truly a lot better about this till they see him calling plays and the offense is doing well if that happens. It, at a certain point, that's just what it's going to have to be. Um, we've got between now and – he's not calling plays in the bowl game. Beamer did confirm that. So we've got between now and September – second or whenever the first game is next year to talk about this and chop it up but that's that's what it's going to boil down to 
Yeah, I mean, hopefully we're going to see a little preview of what's going on in the spring. Um, but yeah, I mean, we're not going to see it in true action until they kick off against North Carolina. Now, granted, kind of a nice opponent to start uh, your first game as offensive coordinator because their defense was terrible this year. Um, got them with the new OC too, who they haven't hired yet. They're got to, they got to replace Phil Longo. Right. So um, it will be interesting to see, obviously, as we get more details, uh, specific personnel decisions, all that stuff, uh, we will update you on GameCoxGroup.com. But Dow Loggins is in Columbus. Um, on a recruiting note, there's a ton of visitors coming to Columbia this weekend. Um, so they'll get to meet him face to face. Dante Reno, I know, is one uh, unofficial visitor that's coming. Um, if we want to get into recruiting really quick, that way, you know, <laughs> I, I can still hit on that stuff real quick. Um, there are four official visitors that we know of right now this weekend. Could end up being more. Um, we've talked about throughout this process that South Carolina is not done with receiver in the 2023 class. We think they'll probably look in the portal, but also they're still looking at a couple uh, high school guys. So uh, Tyshawn Russell uh, and Isaiah Johnson, which Isaiah Johnson could be a DB, could be a receiver. Uh, they'll both be in town uh, this weekend for an official visit. Uh, you got linebacker Cameron Robinson, who's currently a Virginia commit, um, but South Carolina is trying really hard to get a flip there. Uh, they visit, visited him uh, at home this past week as well. He's going to be in town for an official visit. Um, you got a few other DMV guys that are going to be here unofficially to maybe kind of help uh, with, with the cause there. I know Desmond Umio Zulu is, is supposed to be in town. Um, and another DMV guy that we'll get to in just a second. One last official visitor, uh, Juco running back Robert Henry, who we talked about on the show the other day when um, we were speculating, you know, literally an hour before uh, Marshawn Lloyd was going to the portal as a potential replacement there. Obviously, he's not going to have the explosiveness um, and upside, I guess, that Marshawn Lloyd had. But if you can just get a guy that can stay healthy and uh, give you some solid minutes. You bring in Dontavious Braswell, who's a four star, kind of a change of change of speed. You got Juju McDowell roster. Then that running back room starting to look a little bit uh, better, not to mention um, who they might target in the portal. So we'll talk a lot more about recruiting. I just posted a recruiting article with some more future casts and everything on GameCocksGroup.com today. I think I put a total of four future casts in today. That's um, a big day. You're going out yeah. You, much like Shane Beamer, you're going out there. <laughs> yeah, so we'll we'll see how all, the, all that plays out. Um, negative in the recruiting uh, arena yesterday, um, two <laughs> offensive linemen from the 2023 class decommitted within 10 minutes of each other. So that was a fun 10 minutes. Um, that's Isaiah Jada, who is a Juco offensive tackle out of uh, Utah. He was at a community college out there. Um, he was expected to contribute pretty quickly because you, you mentioned uh, a lot of the You're losing one at right tackle. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so he had recently taken official visits to Auburn and BYU. Wouldn't surprise me if he ends up at one of those two. Um, we thought that he was going to be an early enrollee because he's done with his coursework uh, out in Utah. So um, that's going to be tough to, you know, fix that in seven days. Um, I wouldn't expect that to get fixed in seven days. Um, as far as the other one, you had Tosin, Big Tree, Balade. Um, he's one of those DMV guys. Um, and we talked throughout the process. You can go back on our YouTube channel, uh, Gamecock Scoop YouTube channel, and look at the interview I did with Tree Babalade 
um, back when he committed. Um, and a big factor in, you know, him being interested in South Carolina in the first place was Marshawn Lloyd. Um, they both went to DeMatha Catholic. Um, you know, there was just like a, a, a pretty strong uh, connection there. So Marshawn Lloyd entering the portal, I think understandably, uh, was part of the shakeup there. Last I heard, which I was trying to text uh, with him yesterday, yeah, he's he's kind of gone a little silent on me. But last I heard, he was supposed to be in town for an unofficial visit this weekend. Still trying to figure out if that's still happening or not. He was going to come with with Desmond Umiozulu. Um, I mean, if you could get him back in in town this weekend, maybe there's still a chance to fix things. Um, but you know, that early signing period's in like seven days. Got to look out for for Maryland there. Um, yeah, that's that's what I got on that. So uh, keep up with all the other recruiting news on GamecockScoop.com. But, you know, important last final stretch here. One week from today, the early signing period opens. Um, I know that Shane Beamer's got a press conference next week for that A week from well. today for yeah. the early signing period opening. Yeah, almost exactly a week from today. It's at 3 o'clock and 2.30 as we're recording. Um, my other news note, are you done with the recruiting? Yeah. All right. So other than logins, we have coach contract information from yesterday. Um, I would know because I spent all day at the board of trustees meeting waiting for them to approve it um, with the rest of the South Carolina beat. Um, the other contract that was extended was Pete Lembo's um, special teams coordinator. He is now the highest paid special teams coordinator in the SEC. Ray Tanner said, told us after that was one of their goals. They wanted to make him the highest paid in the conference in that position. He's one of the highest in the country. Um, there's some stuff with other schools where it's like, this guy coaches special teams, but he also does other stuff. But I think in terms of strictly, you are only a special teams coordinator. This is all you do. I believe Limbo is the highest paid in the country now. Like he's third overall, but the two ahead of him also have other responsibilities on field. Um, I believe that's that's what it is. Um, Well-deserved, obviously. Yeah. We've yeah. talked about the Beamer ball, the Limbo ball all year. Um, and he gets extended through 2025. So that answers one piece of the coaching staff puzzle. The other one... Um, and Ray Tanner and Shane Beamer both hinted at hopefully there'll be more soon is basically this entire coaching staff, other than Lembo, um, Clayton White, Loggins, obviously. Um, and we'll see what the O-line situation coaches. Almost all of them are up on December 31st, 2023. That covers, I believe, the other six position coaches I didn't name are all up um, a year from December 31st this year. I don't know who. I would assume there are extensions coming on that front when Beamer gets his, which we're all assuming is coming soon anyway. Um, usually that leads to a raise in assistant pool money. They upped the coordinator pool by 15% yesterday. Um, so at some point soon, you're going to see maybe some combination of assistant coaches get extended, but I don't know if that's going to be all of them, some of them. Keep an eye on GamecockScoop.com. There's probably more contract info coming. Yeah, and as far as the delay on the Beamer extension... I'm not going to go too far into it, uh, but we've been hearing some stuff like agents are crazy, man. That's that's really all I have to say about it. Um, I, I've had some other schools that there's no chance that Shane Beamer would be gotten South some Carolina weird DMs for um, that have kind of shot me some text and I'm like, wait, what's going on here? And I'm like, uh, Jimmy Sexton is going on here, you know? Yeah, pretty um, much. Um, so we'll, we'll see how that all actually plays out. Um, but we're definitely anticipating that a deal is going to get done. Um, so if you're hearing weird rumors, 
That's they're going to have to make an <laughs> offensive line coach move at some point soon because Greg Atkins is up on December 31st of this year. He's the one that's expiring left. Um, that's obviously in two and a half weeks, and we'll see what happens with that. If that's going to be Lonnie Teasley or what? Yeah, and so the, I do wonder if that's a factor at all um, with the O-line defections that we just talked about as well is the uncertainty there because, yeah, Greg Atkins obviously has had health problems both of the last two seasons. Um I mean, it, it's a shame because he's really done a great job, especially on the recruiting trail thus, thus far at South Carolina. But I do wonder if it's you know in his best interest to keep pushing through it or um, if maybe there's a, there's some sort of transition plan happening behind the scenes. Like you said, there's uh, Lonnie Teasley who kind of covered those duties throughout the season and you know seemed to do a pretty good job there. So maybe that's the plan. We don't have anything tangible to report there um but if you kind of read the read between the lines there it seems like they would have extended him yesterday with everyone else yeah at, at the board of trustees meeting if that didn't happen yesterday i'm not really sure when it would happen you know right. um so that's the coaching note um i think we've pretty much oh we didn't get to the portal stuff um bell and lloyd in the portal are we going <laughs> to give anything on that well we i guess we hit, about, hit on lloyd a little bit yeah i was say i think we talked about bell in the portal and then the Monday show was pretty much us being like Lloyd's probably about to go in the portal. And so we kind of analyzed it and then literally like an hour after we dropped. The right. show, he yeah. And then Jaheim Bell committed to Florida state. That was, I guess the news there. He actually picked a destination and yeah, yeah. it's an interesting for, piece for, for Mike Norvell there. For those of you that like care or follow up of Lloyd might end up. Um, I've heard a few schools. I've heard Georgia, um, Southern Cal, damn yeah i mean he's that it's it's really interesting here so um i'm my guess again fully speculation don't gotta add the caveat like Um, over and over qualify there's some nil stuff going on here which is which is interesting because i i think lloyd was probably one of the better paid players at South Carolina not that those things are uh, officially released or anything like that but uh you know he's one of the most popular players he's got his own brand um he had uh, some other deals so um if it is an NIL someone must have really offered him something yeah (laughs) um I mean that's that is what it is um I thought it was funny too, and I know he didn't mean it this way that when Dowell Loggins was talking about like roster ownership and stuff he mentioned like one of his biggest frustration points in the NFL was in 2016 when Alshon Jeffrey, Gamecock legend, went off for the Bears, and then the ownership decided not to pay him, and he went to free agency, and they just lost their best receiver. They couldn't replace him. And as a coaching staff, they couldn't do anything about that. Well, you can do more about it in college football, but you can still lose players that have been productive for you now in a way that you couldn't really before a couple of years ago in college football. Um, so I thought that was kind of a funny note that, yes, this does still happen in college football, even though you're more directly tied to it as a coach or in this case, case, an offensive coordinator. Yeah. And if you're like a small business owner or anything in that's a South Carolina fan, uh, you have forces to get involved in this uh, Gamecock exchange, which is what we do in order to set up some interviews and stuff. We got one coming up with Marcellus Dial. Um coming up later this week actually so oh speaking of dial corners darius rush took a senior bowl invite last night i don't think we talked about that yet that probably confirms that we had a feeling we knew that you're losing your top two along with everything else on offense you're losing your top two corners to the nfl this year 
Um, so there's going to have to be some replacements there. Um, and Marcellus Dial is going to be cornerback one next year, I would certainly imagine. Yeah, um, and it's Marcellus Dial week on GameCocksGroup.com, so I will take a second to plug. Uh, he's got a football camp coming up in Woodruff on Saturday. I believe the age range is like 7 to 12, so if any of you guys are in Woodruff. Um, and then he's also got a meet and greet with uh, Xavier Leggett, um, Mo Caba, and Green. I think the, those names are right. Um, immediately following that uh, in Woodruff at Tap Bar, Tap In Bar, or something. Uh, I'll, I'll look that up here in just a second to verify. But yeah, so that's that's kind of cool. And then, like I said, we're doing a uh, interview with him as well. Um, so that's that's something to look out for. Oh, the uh, the bar is Tap Three on. South Main Street in Woodruff. So if any of you guys are in Woodruff, uh, five o'clock this Saturday, or yeah, five thirty to eight thirty. There's meet greet. Um, they're signing autographs, all that sort of stuff. So that's pretty cool. Um, we, um, hit all our football stuff. Yeah, I believe we're good. Um, there's a men's basketball game tonight against yep. UAB. I just put up a preview on GameCocksGroup.com that you can read on that. Uh, there's a long story short, it's going to be, it's going to be a problem tonight. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. UAB is averaging 88 points per game. Um, that's even with a 70 thrown in, uh, last on, on Saturday where they, uh, had their seven game winning streak snapped by West Virginia. Um, but yeah, they're looking pretty good. That's a probable tournament team. Um, and you're on the yep. road. It's going to be, it's going to be, they were a tournament team last year too. Um, they've had votes in the AP top 25 this year at, um, I know they had, a, had some preseason. I don't know if they had any since, but that's going to be one of the tougher games. South Carolina plays maybe the toughest game. They play the whole non-conference schedule. Um, they've got three non-conference games left after this one, but that's going to be a, that's going to be a big challenge. I'm in, interested to see what the response is on the road against a really tough opponent tonight. Seven yeah, o'clock tip. You never say never, but we've talked so much about how they've struggled in the perimeter defense. UAB's pretty good on the perimeter. Uh, they're making like threes a game. Um, as a team, they're shooting in the 40-something percent range from the floor. They're fast, too. They're like sixth in the whole country in tempo on Ken Palm. Yeah, so um, South Carolina is both going to have to play their best defensive game of the season and also probably score at a rate that they haven't been scoring at uh, to kind of keep pace in that one. So um, never say never, but the, the line is minus 16 UAB and I will be, I would probably take the, the points. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> I think, um, I, I think my final uh, prediction had South Carolina by like 25. So. Yeah. Just looking for signs of improvement. And then you got, on paper, well, probably not even on paper, just definitely a more winnable opportunity um, in Greenville on Saturday against East Carolina. Um, that's a much more, it's technically a neutral court game, but that's probably going to be close to a home game, and that's a much more gettable opponent, I think. Um, I have one women's basketball note. Uh, it's not really game-related. They are at South Dakota State tomorrow. Um, that's a long trip in a place with a lot of snow right now. But um, <laughs> Chloe Kitts, who is a... Five-star freshman has early enrolled. She had her first practice yesterday, according to Don Staley. And I was not aware that she's eligible to play. I was kind of thinking that she had to wait till January when the new semester started. 
um, if she's not enrolled yet, but apparently she is. Dawn said she will be traveling tomorrow, um, that she's eligible to play there. They've done like base packages for her. And yeah, you're, 13-woman roster just became a 14-woman roster, apparently. We'll see how much she plays, but if you're looking to see a brand-new Gamecock, it's at least possible tomorrow night. That's a 7 o'clock tip-off for them, too. I mean, if she's eligible to play, I would call it probable, but going to be a blowout. <laughs> so. Yeah, you're probably looking at some garbage time minutes. Um, these next three games against South Dakota State, Charleston Southern, and Coastal Carolina, which is all they have left before SEC play. Yeah, yeah. I'm wondering probably. if the rule is different there because the basketball season stretches into 2023, obviously. So, um, I who knows? Like, apparently, you can. I don't know against the boy bylaws. I'm not a lawyer. Um, Dawn said she's clear to play and she's traveling, and that's noteworthy. Yeah, and I assume someone in South Carolina has paid very well to know to make sure that's, that's accurate. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> um. All right, so throughout the weekend, we'll be covering some more basketball. We will have some more analysis on the new offensive coordinator hire. We will keep talking recruiting this big recruiting weekend coming up. Um, there's a billion things still going on. We've got bowl prep uh, still coming. We're going to get a look at um, the first periods of practice tomorrow. First five right? periods tomorrow, which is in the afternoon. So I guess look out for some videos on on my Twitter, Alan underscore Cole or at rivals Gamecock. Um, just where you're really just doing head counts at that point. You're trying to see who's here, who's not here, who's doing what, what might it look like when the team gets to Jacksonville? Cause that's the last open practice we have until they're actually in Jacksonville. Which I was about to say, um, we sh don't be surprised if you see some news tomorrow of confirmations of some guys that maybe are, or are not, um, playing in the bowl game like for example Darius Rush if we don't see him tomorrow that's probably a pretty good indication that he's moved on to the senior bowl and NFL right. draft and just and all that gotta stuff. get there get to the building see who's practicing and see what that looks like tomorrow afternoon that's at 4 15 eastern is the open portion tomorrow afternoon right we'll have live updates on gamecockscoop.com for that um and I'm back with you guys on Monday or so for another podcast until then this has been the gamecockscoop.com podcast see ya